0: I'm excited about today's message because I think many of us need a breakthrough. And so there is such a thing as a breakthrough prayer in Scripture. God teaches us how to have this kind of a prayer. So I want to unpack this today. I'm very glad you guys are with us as we talk about this today. Breakthrough prayer is not a normal prayer. Jesus actually teaches us how to pray in normal prayer. And that's a pretty awesome teaching. I started the series with that. Uh, His teaching was amazing. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He explained to us why you teach that way, why you you pray that way. But actually, a breakthrough prayer is different. A breakthrough prayer is when you've done everything you can do and it's not happening. And you're like, God, I need you to do something because I can't change this situation. And so now before I dive into this, I just want to say this real quick. If there's anything you can do about your situation, you're not, you're not in need of a breakthrough prayer yet. This is a real big deal that you understand this. A breakthrough prayer is when you tried everything there is to try, and you've done everything you know to do, and you're not getting any movement. And that's when you say, God, I just need you to totally take this situation over. And so please understand that my prayer oftentimes before I get to a breakthrough prayer is this. I'm like, God, I ask this prayer, God, is there anything I haven't done that I should do? And oftentimes, the Lord will give me something else to do. I'll go to mentors. I, I've done this. I've tried that. I've tried that. Is there anything I'm not seeing? And oftentimes, my mentors will tell me things I didn't think about. Well, did you try this? i like, oh, no, I didn't. Okay, we'll try that. Okay, let me try that. And so oftentimes, a breakthrough comes on my side of the equation when I try something different. So this is really important. Before you start thinking, oh, pastor, I need a breakthrough, do you or have you not done everything you can do yet? In other words, like, don't ask God to bless your laziness. If you say, I got a big test coming up Monday, I need a breakthrough. No, you don't. You need to study this afternoon. (laughs) And then ask God to bless the studying. Does that make sense? And so, but oftentimes we ask for a breakthrough when there's something we, oh Lord, I just have, I don't know where the man or woman of my dreams is, and I just need a breakthrough. God may be saying, well, really, there's some things you can still do. Uh, If you knew tomorrow you're going to meet the man or woman of your dreams, you'd probably be like, I'm going to dress a little nicer. Uh, I'm actually going to do a little dieting. I'm actually going to maybe get my finances in shape, kind of get a general direction of where I want to go in my life. i was going to get some things going because this person is probably going to have some things going in their life. Oh, it sounds like there's some stuff you can do first. Yes. So this is important before we get to a breakthrough prayer. Have you done everything you can do? Yeah. And if you haven't done everything you can do in that situation, then don't ask God to make up for your laziness. So before we even get to this prayer, this prayer is only needed. This is like the break glass prayer. When you've done everything else you can do. So, I wanna challenge you right before we even get to this prayer to work like it's all up to you, then pray like it's all up to God. And somewhere in between those two, God does His greatest work. But there's always a part for us to do first. You gotta do your natural, then God will add His super to your natural. But there are times when you've done everything you know to do, and you just have to call it to God. Years ago, uh, I've, I've only had two or three times in my life when I need a breakthrough, full on. Like Lord, I've done everything I know to do. A number of years ago, when we we're trying to move in this building. We need a breakthrough. And uh, you, maybe you've heard the story many times, or maybe you're brand new here, you never heard it. I was surprised. Even my own staff had several people say, "I have not heard that." When I shared it last night, so I want to share it again. We needed a breakthrough. We had raised all the money we could raise to build the building we're in right now, the, the broadcast location. And uh, we had raised a lot of money. People really sacrificed. We had borrowed a lot of money too. And so, in between those, we thought we got this covered. Until the price of steel literally doubled within six months, and we had we did not have the ability to lock that price in. And because of that, the entire building went from we we went from needing around eight to ten million to needing eighteen million. And we were already in the middle of construction, and I needed a breakthrough. We prayed. We, I came to the church. I was like, guys, we need God to do something powerfully. We just, I just set the whole sermon aside. Listen, we're just going to pray and call out to God and just do whatever he tells us to do. And through a series of events, someone I'd never even met before in my life came to the church. We'd only been there six weeks, him and his wife. I had never met him. This goes against all fundraising principles. I have no relationship whatsoever with them. They came, felt convicted by God. They ended up writing a check for $2 million dollars. That weekend, God told me not to announce it to the church because God was moving among all of us, and then everyone else joined in with them. It took us two years to raise two point seven million dollars in cash. And then two weeks from simply simply calling out to God and saying, we need a breakthrough in two weeks, we brought an additional two point nine million dollars in. What took us two years, took us now two weeks. God can give you a breakthrough. I've had some more private breakthroughs too. Some of them are so personal, I don't even want to share them. But I will tell you, one time, I needed God so desperately, I said, God, I don't know what else to so do. I was just walking in my neighborhood, and I just said, God, I need you to come through. I've done everything I, I don't know what else to do, and God gave me a breakthrough. So I just want to encourage you, God will give you a breakthrough too, just like he did here in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 20. If you've got your Bibles or a Bible app, open to 2 Chronicles 20. We're going to dive right in. This is about a guy named Jehoshaphat, or we'll just call him by his rapper name, Jay fat So Japhat was the king of Israel, and he needed God to move powerfully in his life because suddenly he needed a breakthrough. Here's what happened. Check it out. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and some Unites, so a lot of ites, they all came together to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Japhat, they are already close, Alarm, Jehoshaphat, Resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek him from to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So all of a sudden, the king is sitting there on his throne. People come, hey, king, we just heard this really bad news. We want to let you know. That the Moabites are attacking, and all of a sudden, oh, wait, the Ammonites, oh, also the people of Mount Seir. So, three different ites are all coming at you. Now, it would be bad if, we, if, if our president was notified tomorrow that China was attacking. That'd be a really bad day in America, okay? But it'd be worse if it was, oh, yeah, and also Germany, oh, yeah, and also Russia, all the same week. I'm pretty sure we would all be flocking to church to ask God to help us. Like, I don't care how big and bad our army is, if we had three superpowers coming at us, we would need God's help. Would you not agree? And so that's what happened. This literally happened to this king. It's like, I, I mean, we have an army. We're prepared for, to defend ourselves, but not against three warring factions at the same time. We need God. And so that's where he was at. So what is the first thing you do? He, he says, everyone get together, let's do a fast and prayer. And they all come in. And I think it's interesting that they all knew where to come. They all knew what to do already, which means this is not their first time to get together to pray and call on, call on God. I love that part of the scripture, that the people knew right what to do. They're like, we're going to get together, we're going to do what we normally we do. We're going to all come together, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast. This is not their first time to do this. So the first thing you need to do is this. Number one, make prayer your first move. Make prayer your first move instead of your last resort. I think it's interesting that they all knew where to go. It says in Scripture, the people of Judah came together. They already knew where to come. They already knew what to do, which means they are normally, this is a regular occurrence, them to get together and worship God, call out to God. And so, you know, this speaks to something to me. You know, there are five purposes in the, in the, in the Bible that we all should be fulfilling, and they are basically, let me see if I can do this by memory, we got evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, and worship. Those are the five different purposes of God. Well, we have off of those five things what we call the you, which is, there's a lot of them, there's you attend, you give, um, you, you, what, there's you attend, you tide, you group, you serve, and you bring. And so basically, that, that is the five purposes of God also. And so this speaks of one of them right here, that they gathered together, That you attend. They knew where to go to call out to God. Can I just say right now, that COVID has got us out of the practice of coming to church. It's done that. The reason I know that is because we have an online attendance that went right up to our number when, we first, when, when COVID first hit and they canceled church all across America, our online numbers matched our, our butts and seats numbers, our seating, right? And so it's like, okay, everyone's just watching us online. But then all of a sudden, over the last six months, now it's been right at a year. This weekend is a year. Can you believe it's been a year since they told us to take to off two weeks? I love that. You can trust our leaders. Anyways. Um, Anyways. <laughs> So basically it was a year ago they said just a couple of weeks off, then we'll be back, right? So it's been a year and I'm, no one was prepared. I'm not blaming anyone. No one knew, right? But COVID, think about this. So, but six months ago or so, our online numbers start to drop and our attendance comes up. But our attendance and our online numbers are not at the same level. So we were dropping several thousand, going up several hundred, which means there's a lot of people not going to church anywhere. And this isn't just happening here. It's happening across America. But guess what? You're going to one, at some point you're going to hit a crisis and all of a sudden they'll be back in church, don't start coming to church when you need it for your marriage. Come to church before you need it for your marriage. Don't come back to church before you need it with your, your kids. Come before they need it. Does that make sense? So let's make sure that we make church a regular stop every week. And you say, oh, I just feel so distanced from God. God says, come on by my house. I've been here the whole time. I've got all kinds of things I want to share with you, but you need to show up. And so let's make sure that we make it a regular thing that you attend regularly church. And I know you, you may say, but, but Pastor, i got a precondition. I can't. Okay, that's fine. Be online. Either way, you're still with us. But don't think for a second that you're going to skip out online, skip out of church, and that God's just going to be good with that. It's not how it works. Scripture is very clear. He wants you in his house. He has things he wants to tell you. He has things he wants to lead you in. And so please don't wait till the crisis happens to get back to God. To get back to his house. Get back in this house right now. Get your butt back in church. Let's do church. God wants you in his house. He has so many things he wants to tell you. So I just want to encourage you, be in God's house. Look what happens next. Then Japhat stood up in the assembly and he said, Lord, you are you not the God who is in heaven? So this is his prayer now. By the way, this is so, when you say, well, what's a, what is a breakthrough prayer? We're about to hear his prayer, and this is where breakthrough happens, right here in the Scripture. Now, before I get to that, do you know Jehoshaphat has a meaning? I love the names. I love to say the names of things. Jehoshaphat actually means to govern. It means leader. And so he was a leader. It means to govern, but do you know what it also means? It means Yahweh judges, which means that we need to keep this in mind as leaders, that when we lead, God will judge us on how we lead. Hey, Washington, did you hear that? You will answer to God for how you're leading. Hey, Austin, did you hear that? You will answer to God for how you're leading. Hey, CEO, did you hear that? You may get away with it with the people, but you won't get away with it with God. Hey, pastor, did you hear that? Hey, teacher, hey, coach, hey, parent, did you hear that? You will answer to God one day for how you lead. And so even if you can get away with something with the people, you will not get away with it with God. Yahweh judges. He's looking at how we lead. Think about that. You answer to God when you lead. It's a big deal. We need to recognize that we answer to God for how we leave. So Japheth stood up in the assembly and said, Lord, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built it built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine or COVID or racial riots or political tension, doesn't matter what's coming our way, we know where to go, God's house. And so he says, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. So what is a breakthrough prayer? It's remembering that God got you out of the last mess and he'll get you out of this one too. Let me say that again. God helped you last time. He's gonna help you this time. So before you get panicked, let me ask you something. Has God helped you out thus far? Has he come through for you in the past and why would he suddenly cancel and, and, and suddenly say, oh, I'm a little tired today. Sorry, I can't handle that one. God knows what's coming down the pipe. He knows what you're going to be facing before you face it. So what a breakthrough prayer always has is this. Number two, remember how God saved you before and thank him in advance that he will do it again. A breakthrough prayer involves remembering what he's done and and you're thanking him. You say, God, I already know you're going to come through. I just want to let you know what's going on. But I already know you're there for me and I already know you. Look, God, you knew about the cancer before it hit my body. You knew about the problem I was gonna have before I was sued. You knew about the situation with my kid before they went wayward. You knew about the problem I was gonna have with my boss before it happened. Lord, you knew about the economy you know, being downsized before it was gonna happen. Lord, I thank you that you knew in advance what was coming my way. And so that means if you knew in advance, then you already have a solution in advance too. So that is a breakthrough prayer, trusting the Lord when things fall apart because God came through last time, he'll come through again. So then what happens? For we have no power to face this vast army That's attacking us as he continues to pray. He says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I love that line. Isn't that a powerful line? I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you. You know, you don't always have to know what to do. I got some great news for you. Those of you who feel like you always have to be in control of your life, (laughs) you're not. I mean, I just want to let you know that right now. You can resign as, as manager of the universe. The universe will still run without you because it has before you ever existed. And so he says, hey, you know what? I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you, and I know you know what to do. goes on to say this. All the family stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon a guy named Jehaziel. Jehaziel, by the way, that name has a meaning too. It means God sees. I love that. It has a a double meaning. It means God sees, and the etymological, I love that word. I want you guys to think I'm really spiritual and use big words today. (laughs) The etymological meaning is to see a vision, Isn't it funny how oftentimes calamity has to hit us before we get a real vision for our lives? So believe it or not, sometimes the dark moments in your life, because that makes you get serious about life. It gets you serious about what matters most in your life. So Jahazia literally means God sees. God is saying, I see you. I see what's going on. I just want you to know I see you. And you know what? This is gonna help you get a new vision for your life. By the way, can I just say something about vision real quick? You know what gets in the way of your vision? Your sight. You see, the problem with, with vision is sight. And so you can have a great vision for your marriage, but it's what you see right now in your marriage. But you got you to say, God, I don't just see the fighting I'm in now. I see a vision of a healthy marriage. And so you got to have vision. You got to see beyond what you just see in front of you. When I first drove onto this land that we're on right now, uh, the, first, the all I, most people saw was a, a cornfield. What I saw was a building full of thousands of people coming in. You have to have vision before anyone else sees it. You get to see it. You have to have a vision for your life. Right now you say, well, I just see a teenager in my life right now. And you say, no, no, but you see someone going to college and getting a degree and starting a career and making a difference in my community. You got to get a vision for your life. God has way more for you. You got to be able to see beyond what you see and get a vision. God sees you and he wants you to see a vision he has for your life. He's got something way bigger for you. Don't let what you currently see in front of you block you from your future. Don't you dare make decisions based upon the economy today. Things are going to turn around. Oh, I'm so depressed. The stock market's down. No, actually, most people that have vision say this is an opportunity to buy. Get some vision. You got to believe God for the future. Someone needs to get excited that God has more for you. Get some vision. You have something big in your life coming. Get some vision. Then Jehaziel says, This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Oh, there's a line right there. You may want to write that one down. The battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord." He will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face him tomorrow, and the Lord will will be with you. He says, take up your positions. Let me just say right now. You know what we do typically when our life starts to fall apart? We start canceling our positions. This is a big mistake. People say, Oh man, there's a lot going on, you know, with COVID and all this stuff going on. I know I serve in children's church. I'm not gonna be able to make it today because you know there's a lot happening. Or I, I can't serve in youth anymore because you know my marriage, we're going through some stuff, and so I'm not gonna be able to come on Wednesday nights and help you out anymore. So you cancel your position. You know, do you do that at work? You go, oh, yeah, things are really bad at home. I'm not going to be able to come in today. You can't do that very long. You know, or how about this? Things are bad at work, so you go home and you say, I'm not going to really be able to be a husband tonight. Sorry, babe. It's, I just, my, my boss got all over me, so sorry, I can't help you with the dishes. Can't really help bringing the garbage. No, no, no. Take up your position. God calls you to be a husband whether things are going good or bad at work. God calls you to be at work whether things are going good or bad at home. God calls you to a position in your church. You say, I'm not backing down. I'm going to be in the position God gave me. I'm going to stay involved. I'm going to stay committed. And I want to tell you something, and I want you to hear this with compassion. Don't hear this the wrong way. But oftentimes, I'm, I'm oftentimes beside someone who's lost a loved one. And I will tell them, and I mean this with compassion. I'll say, what do I, they, they literally have said to me, what do I do next? And I tell them, and I mean this with compassion. Don't, don't hear my heart in the wrong way. I mean this a good way. I say, what would you do the week before this happened? Go do that. Did you, do you normally work out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Then." Then go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Do you go to work on Mondays? Yeah. I recommend you, you go to work. You say, Pastor, that, so, that, that just lacks empathy. No, 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 no. I promise you, I mean this with a good heart. Because what happens is, is that because we're going through a horrible situation that none of us should have to go through, what we do is we start to back out of things. Well, I'm going to quit working out. I'm going to quit I'm going to quit going to the, my normal meeting. I, I used to go to a small group. You know, I used to go to men's bibles. I'm not going to do any of that now. I'm just going to... And then you get depressed because you're, you're checking out of life. Don't back out of life because something bad's happened to you. Yes. Take up your positions. Stay in the role you have. I don't mean that. To please, please hear my heart. I understand you're going through it. But in your position are connections to people that you need. Yes. So keep going to the gym. Keep going to work. Keep going to church. Keep going to the youth group. Keep going to that small group. Keep the position you're in. or You'll be very depressed when you start to check out of life. You're already experiencing a loss. Don't add to the loss, depression. Stay connected. Are you hearing my heart here? So, I don't mean that to lack compassion. I'm not saying you're not going through it. I'm saying because you are going through it, stay in life. Stay connected. We need that. Stay connected. Take up your positions. But my, my favorite part of the scripture that I want to focus on right now is the battle belongs to the Lord. Did you know that there is a middle verse in the entire Old Testament? And you know what that middle verse is? The battle belongs to the Lord. This is the middle verse of the entire Old Testament, which I believe it's like God saying, Hey, I want you to all focus all those stories about Adam and Eve and Abraham and Noah and David and Esther and Ruth and all those stories. And just all comes down to this one thing. No matter what someone's going through, the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Let me ask you something. Are you tired? Are you just worn out? Could it be because you're trying to fight battles that aren't yours? It's not your battle. Oh, I gotta get home and get on and watch the news again and go on the computer and see what's going on, who's fighting who in Washington and what one senator said about the other. And this and that. Is that your battle? Can you, can you change any of that? No, I mean, I guess if you live in D.C., I'd preach something different, but we don't. So you really can't fight that battle from here. But pastor, there's this horrible stuff going on. I don't know what to do, but I understand. I'm not making light of it. What I'm saying is if you can't do anything, why are you in a fight that you can't fight? Choose your battles carefully. I want to tell you something about Church Unlimited. And I'm just going to take the pressure right, right off everyone right now just to let you know. I'm not trying to convert anyone to be a Democrat or Republican around here. I'm trying to convert people to be a Jesus follower, to be a disciple of Jesus. That's what I'm trying to do. Pastor, are you saying you're not concerned? Oh, I'm very concerned about all kinds of things, but that's not the position I'm in. And so the position I'm in is that God has called us as a church to win a million souls. That's a lot of work. I got plenty to do. I don't need more to do. And so I'm gonna stay focused on what the fight that God gave me. Is there a battle going on at work between two people? Why are you getting in the middle of that? That's not your battle. We get into battles that aren't even our battle. So choose your battle carefully. Just choose the battle God gave you. And by the way, even in the battle that God gave you, the battle's the Lord's. So I just wanna encourage you if you're tired, it could be because you're sticking your neck into things that aren't yours. Focus on what God has called. You to do. And for those of you who are passionately upset with me, saying I'm, I'm, oh, you're saying not to be involved. No, I'm not saying don't be involved political. We should vote. I think that's great. Well, what about this and that? Look, if if you're that into it, maybe that is what God calls you to. That's great. But for most of us, we just go to work during the day, and we're called to raise families and to win people to Christ and to make a difference in our community. And so, be in your battle. Is my point. And if you feel called to do something, by all means, do it. I, I love it. We should have more people running for office. We should have more people doing things like that. I think it's great. But that doesn't mean we're all called to it. So I just want you to hear my heart. We keep sticking our neck in other people's battles and we get all wound up and we can't even do anything about it. That will lead you to depression really fast. That will lead you to feeling helpless, powerless. When the truth is you've got great power, you've got great influence right where you are. The battle is the Lord's. Fight the battle God gave you quit trying to fight battles that aren't your battle. Just want to encourage you, want to set you free on this. This is a big deal that we choose the right battle. Ask God for a breakthrough because the battle is the Lord's. Let's keep moving. Jehoshaphat and all the people of Judah, excuse me, and Jerusalem fell down to worship before the Lord. Early in the morning, Jehoshaphat stood and said, "Listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God." and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Can I just say something right now? You know what that tells me? Jehoshaphat's saying, hey, you need to trust that God is speaking through his prophets. Can I just talk to you about this right now? I don't say this very often, but I wanna say this right now. I, I think we have forgotten that God has given us pastors and evangelists and teachers and prophets and people like that that we are to be under their care, under their leadership. And listen, you may say, well, this sounds really self-serving. No, listen, let me tell you right now, if, 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 you're, if you don't respect the leadership that God has given me for this place, I'm okay with that. This isn't your church, then why are you here? Find a place that you do respect and get in a church that you can submit to the leadership. Because listen, if you don't submit to authority, don't ask your kids to. Don't ask your kids to submit to your, well, you need to listen to me because I'm your father, I'm your mother. And they're saying, well, who are you listening to? Who who, who do you submit to? And so all of us need a pastor we submit to. I have a pastor I submit to. Did you know that there are pastors in my life that I submit to them? And so and and when they say to change something, I change it. I do what they tell me to do. I'm under their leadership. And so I'm asking you: We have a direction. We have a calling by God. Would you get in line with what God's calling us to do? Because listen, right now we need more people rowing the boat than rocking the boat. We're going somewhere. Let's get focused. It's time for us to stop watching the world and all the drama that's coming and get focused on reaching the world. It's time for us to get focused and that means that you're gonna have to respect the leadership that God's brought to you and if you don't, find somewhere where you do. But what I'm really worried about is when you say, well, I don't respect your leadership and you go to the next year and say, I don't respect that leadership. What you're really saying is, I'm just not gonna submit to anyone's authority and that is not okay. Do not ask God to bless you if you're unsubmitted to authority because when you show me someone who God's using in a great way, I'll show you a man or woman under authority. And so and I'm not here to tell you where that is. I'm not going to force anyone's hands. I understand that I may not be the leader that you want to submit to. That's fine. But find where you're supposed to be and submit to leadership there because that is how God raises up people. If God wants to raise someone up, he always puts them under authority time and again. What well, about Paul, he wasn't under anyone's authority. God blinded him on a road. You're going to tell me he wasn't submitting to authority? And so even the people who you think, oh, they're not on authority, oh, I guarantee you God's hand is on them. And if they step one one piece out of line, God, God can take care of that. I promise you that. So I just want to encourage you, we all need authority in our lives. And so it's time as Christians that we put up or shut up. Are we going to be the church or not? Because I'm pretty sure the world is hurting and needs someone to speak hope. So we need to be the church more than ever right now. We need to be making a difference more than ever right now. And so I want to challenge you to trust where God has placed you. Have faith in the prophets, and you will be successful is what his word says. It goes on to say this. Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army. Whoa, 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 wait. Hold on. So they're going to battle, and they put the choir in the front. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I was the general of the army, I'd be like, why don't we put the tanks in the front? Just, to, just a thought. Yeah. I want mean, to put like the biggest soldiers we have. Let's put them in the front, right? Let's like, who's really good? Okay, let's put them up front. No, let's, let's put the singers up front. So, can you imagine you're just giant army, you're coming to fight Israel, and you see a whole line of singers are all up there praising God, singing. You'd be like, oh, well, this isn't going to be hard. I mean, really? This is who you're putting up front? I love this. This is how bold they were in trusting that God had, and they put the singers up front. And then they sang this, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Number four, put your praise at the forefront of your march forward. Put your praise at the forefront. Whenever everything falls apart in your life, be the first to say, God, I praise you that you know what's going on. I praise you, Lord, that, that Lord, I thank you that, that, you know what, cancer doesn't have me. I may have cancer, but cancer does not have me. I praise you. I praise you for this lawsuit. I praise you for this economy. I praise you for this fight. I praise you for this betrayal. I praise you, Lord. I'm going to put my praise in front because I know you will handle this battle for me. The battle belongs to the Lord. You can trust in the Lord. Put your praise in front. Then when they did this, look what happened. Check it out. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They destroyed one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So they came came up this hill and they looked down, there's this huge valley where the battle was gonna take place and everyone was already dead. Literally, the battle was the Lord's. The Lord did it and not them. Isn't that great news to know? That if you'll just take your position and worship the Lord, He will fight your battles for you. Maybe someone's talking bad about you. I got great news. You don't need to respond to that. The battle fights the Lord. The Lord will fight your battle for you. Don't worry about that. And so you just trust the Lord. You just do what God has called you to do. The battle is the Lord's. It says, and they found among them so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. So the biggest problem they had was they didn't have enough hands to carry all the stuff that they got. So basically, they thought three armories were coming to kill them, and actually three armories were coming to deliver all their plunder to them. And so they just went through the camp and took all their plunder, all their equipment, their clothes, their weapons, everything. Took everything that they had. They were all dead. They don't need it anymore. So they took all of it. It says, on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why they call it the valley of Baraka to this day. Baraka literally means praise. So you tell me where the valley is of your battle, and God says, turn your battle valley into a praise valley. God wants you to praise him in your darkest places. That's actually your place to praise him. Number five, your God will not only deliver you, he will bless you. Your God will not only deliver you, he will bless you. Now I want to leave you this last sentence, and we'll wrap it up. Jesus said this. He said this. He said, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it like it's already happened. Believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. So here's a sentence I want you to remember. If you forget everything about this prayer, here's the breakthrough prayer. Thanking God after he gives you something is gratitude. Thanking God before he gives it is faith. Did you know Abram changed his name to Abraham? He did that because God promised him a son, and he thanked God for the son 25 years before he received the son. We have to learn to thank God in advance. Some of you singles need to say, I want to thank you, God, for my marriage that I know is on its way. I want to thank you, God, for my promotion before I get it. I want to thank you, God, for my raise before I get it. I want to thank you, God, for my healing before I receive it. I want to thank you, God, for my breakthrough before it even happens because I trust you, Lord, so much. I'm putting my praise out front and I'm thanking you in advance that you have this situation. I trust you. Trust the Lord, he has got you. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and we take a moment to pray today. Thank God in advance that he will take care of you. Remember, middle verse of the Old Testament, the battle is the Lord's. He's got you. He's going to fight for you. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, do you know before you even know you needed a savior, he had already sent his son? Speaking of thanking God in advance, before you even born. Christ had already died for you. To pay the price of your sins and for mine, Jesus died on the cross. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to individually receive him. Right now across all of our campuses, those who are watching online right now, maybe you're watching this sitting in your car. Maybe you're watching from your living room, wherever you are. Maybe you're on your phone or on a computer, on your TV, I'm not sure. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, pray this prayer with me. You can receive Christ right now by praying a very simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. Something like this. Just say this with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I receive your grace. I repent of my sin. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, eyes closed. no one's looking around. The only people looking at the campuses right now is the campus pastor, no one else. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior, would you just lift your hand high? The Bible says that if you will not be ashamed of him here, he won't be ashamed of you in heaven. Just lift your hand high. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time to receive Christ, hold your hand high. Praise God, there's hands going up all across our campuses right now. Just hold your hand high. Thank, thank God. We're thanking God for you right now. Praise God. Thank you for that decision. We see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. See those hands. All the way in the back. Thank you. Keep your hand held high. Thank you. Praise God. Lots of people making decisions to trust Christ as their Lord and their Savior today. Thank you. You're not alone. Thank you. Those of you are watching online, you can can just right now put it in the chat. Say, my hand's raised. Just let us know. If you're on our platform, you can click hand raised. Just let us know right now. We just want to pray for you. We thank God for the decision you just made to trust Christ. Just hold that hand high. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Okay, put your hand down. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe today your prayer is to say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. I got a battle I don't know how to fix. I have done everything I know to do. Now, if you haven't done everything you know to do, God's going to put on your heart right now something to do. Go do it. That's a prayer I pray. God, is there anything else for me to do? And if God tells you, yeah, there is something you haven't done, then go do that. Don't wait. That's your act of obedience today. That's what God spoke to you. Now, go and do what the Lord told you to do. Is there anything I have left to do? If God tells you anything. Go do do it. But for those of you who say, Pastor, I have prayed, I've asked God, is there anything else to do? And the Lord has told me no. But then you need to know this. God is saying, but the battle's mine. I've got it from here. Trust the Lord with your situation. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you that the battle is the Lord's. We trust the situation in your hands. In your name we pray, all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.